Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Just, you know, as the saying goes, I've stood behind this desk quite a few times and I never, ever take it for granted. And I just, you know, when you're doing something and you just feel like you can't get pointed straight, and that's almost the way I feel. And so I know what I feel. So I just I just wrote down some verses and I just said God you got to help me so and so that's what I'm gonna do uh, I'm gonna just follow what I know in the Lord and so what I want to do is is my title's just gonna be Welcome to the Promised Land and it's not gonna be what you think <laughs> so I'll just go ahead and tell you that uh, not in a bad sense. But we just, we live this life, we go, we do everything, we just go through the process, and, and just life goes on. I mean, God's going to come, or we're either going to go the way of the dust. And when Brother, um, at Brother Corin's, when we laid his body to rest, and when Brother Boyd say what he said, quoting the minister, and he said, and, you know, this is, this is partly a joke, but I mean this, if the Lord will quicken this to my memory I will go to brother Cord. I will go to brother Cord and tell him this I said of all the things that I missed in Genesis this is one of them because what brother Boyd said quoting the minister why death bothers us so much is because we was made to live forever and I said as soon as he said that I said how did I miss that how did I miss that? So I laughed to myself. I said, Lord, if you'll let me remember that, I'll go to Brother Corn and I said, of all the times at the when we laid your body to rest, <laughs> that's when I heard this. Because I'm sure he's gonna have Adam and he's gonna say, No matter where this dude started, he started with you. So <laughs> it's gonna be a two way street. But life goes on. We the Lord's going to come or or we're just going to, it's a walk of faith. Or we're just going to keep going. I mean, there's nothing to give up to. You just, you go. And I mean, the world is getting, to me, not trying to be, you know, worse, but it's just gloom and doom. But there's nothing to go to. I mean, give up. Give up to what? I mean, when I get in that, even think of that, go to where where Judas, when he realized, when, as we say, he came to himself and he went back to the priest and they said, what is that to us? 
you've already crossed the line. You've already established the Judas kiss. Don't come back to us wanting to give your, you know, 30 pieces back. It's, it's over. You know, what is that to us? We don't care anymore. So that's the way the world does us. You know, if you are a child of God and you go back to the world, what is that to us? We don't care. We don't care. So we come and we go. And, and where I want to start is Exodus, Exodus 3. This is, in reference point, this is Moses at the burning bush. And just always remember this is the way in ever phenomenon with God. This is the way that he does things. It says the bush burnt, but the bush was not consumed. So that's just, God doesn't destroy. I mean, here he takes a natural object, as such as a bush, and Moses sees it and it's on fire, but it doesn't consume it. So God's able to use us in a way to the world, like, man, the fish is biting and you're going to church? <laughs> That's okay. God's going to bless me. You know, so Moses is looking. But what, where I want to draw your attention to is the seventh and eighth verse. And the Lord said, now this is right after Moses sees the burning bush, and this is the Lord speaking to Moses. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And listen, and am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good, a good land and large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Pezzites, Ites, 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 the Hivites and the Jebusites. <clears throat> so here is Moses. This is the first time in the Bible it's quoted of the land flowing with milk and honey. Now, some of the poets there use this phrase, not religious, just in their poetry, land flowing with milk and honey. So the Lord, this is where the first time we read it. So God says, okay, they go down. We know the story. They go down to Egypt. They wind up staying a long time. And I've always, we should always use that as an analogy of the church. You know, I want to leave for a little while. And, man, they just got hungry, decided to go to Egypt, and they wound up staying 430 years. So he takes, but my point, one of my points is going to be this. God said, I've come down, I've heard their cry. They have been there so many years under the heavy taskmasters that are in the Egyptians. They made slaves out of them. They have, their lives has just been miserable. It's literally like being in, I hate to say it, but in prison. They have told what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And if you slack up, your back shows the marks. So God said, I've come to deliver you from that from Egypt. Okay, one place the Bible calls it the iron furnace. But my point is look, he says and he named there was more cities than this. He just named six of them. I've come to, to deliver you <clears throat> from Egypt. But he tells him he's got all these ites, all these cities. 
And, you know, what would you be thinking? You know, here's, you're going to trust God. He's delivering you from Egypt, but he's putting you in multiple cities. And so he's taken, and <coughs> so I, if I was there, I would be trying to figure this out. Okay, I'm delivered from Egypt. Look how rough they made my life. Now, thanks. Now it's not only Egypt I've got to worry about. I've got to worry about so many more that I've got to deal with. So look how bad I was treated in Egypt. Now God said, I've come to deliver you and you're going. But what we can't forget is God said, I'm taking you to a land that flows with milk and honey. And I'm telling you, that's why I made the little statement one time that some days we just walk the track and literally, and what I referenced it to was the pastor that I grew up with. He just said, if you stand at a railroad track and look at it, your eyes tell you the tracks goes together. But in here, you know they don't. And sometimes this walk is you just, this is a walk by faith. And I said, sometimes you just got to walk the track. You can't let your eyes dictate what you believe. You've got to believe what you know is true. And God said, I'm giving you to a land of milk and honey. Ignore all the cities. Well, well gosh, we just left the city limits of one city and now we've got into another but God said don't let that don't let that confuse you you're going to a land that's going to be provided unto you I'm giving it to you and if they would have got their eyes and they did on all of the surroundings around them then that that's where we see the trouble got in but what I want to start with it's a land flowing with milk and honey. But I'm telling you, it took faith to believe what God said. And it was so many people, so many towns and cities, and just, it wasn't like, well, um, you're in my house. Would you please leave? <laughs> right. You want me to get out? You make me get out. But God said, I, I, I've given you this. Now, Turn with me, if, if you want, I'm going to the book of Deuteronomy um, 6. This is right after when he gives, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Let's read at, uh, let's read at verse 10, 6, 6 chapter and 10, and then we'll read um, 10 through 12. And it shall be. Here again, this is the Lord. When the Lord thy God have brought thee into the land which he sware unto the fathers, unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. You know, that's the cities that I'm sure they've seen. We just got out of one. But God said, don't let the people scare you. I'm giving you them cities. But my eyes is looking at the people that's inhabiting them cities. And I would be the same way. I would literally be the same way, which thou buildest not, leaven. And listen to this. Houses full of good things, which thou fillest not, 
and wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou had when and and when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then uh, beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now, that right there, from the house of bondage, all God is saying to them, I'm going to give you this. You're going to have all this that I'm going to provide from you. And that house of bondage is God is telling them literally, I brought you from the slave quarters. Literally, that's what that means. I brought you from there. Do not forget it. When I gave you this, this is what I provided. The, the houses, the lands, the vineyards, the olive trees, everything. The wells, they're already dug. You've already got water. What you need for your basic life, for the nourishment that you need, it will be provided. Now, he took and he said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm bringing you to this land. Welcome to the promised land. But it was a whole lot more complicated than that. And I don't want to put a damper on it, but what I'm saying is it, it, it was. Now, just go with me a little bit further. Let's go to 31, Deuteronomy 31, and we'll read um, 19. This is where Moses was telling them. The Lord actually told Moses, he says, I want you to compose a song and I'll give you the words. That when they forget me, this is what I want you to do. Now, 31 and 19. Now therefore write ye this song for you and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. For when I shall, for when I shall have brought them into the land which I swear unto their fathers that floweth with milk and honey... That they have, they and they have eaten and filled themselves and waxen fat. Then will they turn to other gods and serve them and provoke me and break my covenant. Now, and it shall come to pass when many evils and troubles are befallen them that this song shall testify against them as a witness, for. It shall not be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed, for I know that their imagination, when they go about, even now, before I have brought them into the land which I swear. Moses therefore wrote this song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. God was very serious about this. He said, I've gave you this land, and all I want you to do is inhabit the land, take possession as we hear today, take possession of this land. And then when they started backing off from taking possession of what God had literally gave them, God had said, look, and it's, we have been taught even growing up, even from growing up from our parents, this is not about you. It always affects more than you. You can say it's all about me. You know, I don't have to share. I mean, nobody needs to be taught like that because especially as, as anybody, it, natural life or, or, or spiritual life, because 
whatever you do, it not only affects you, it's the ripple effect. You know, nobody's watching me. Well, dream on, baby. A lot of people is watching you. So um, God told Israel, he said, your children is going to pay the price when you back off. So he said, I'm going to go ahead and have a song ready. So when you back off, they already going to know it. And we have Bible to prove that. So this is the song that he told them. Now, sometimes we, we hear this in the context. And I don't want to say that's way too broad of a brush to say all we hear is a land flowing with milk and honey. And I think we can get the picture of, man, here's the Israelites just sitting on the porch drinking a cool glass of milk, dipping the bread in the honey. But I'm telling you, God gave it to them. But they had to fight for what they got. You read the Bible. There was a lot of blood spilled to obtain the promises of God. And, but that's not, that's not popular in our day. We don't do that now. I understand that. But we have to apply that spiritually to, to today. Just as God has given us salvation, I don't have to do nothing. Well, I don't know who's been teaching you, but that's not Bible. We face a lot of enemies. We face one for sure that's trying to destroy us. And that one is in contact with others that try to destroy us. So just as Israel, God said, I'm going to give you all of this. It's going to be done. It's going to, it's going to happen. And then in Leviticus, I'm going to turn back to Leviticus. I want to read something to you. This is what the, the Lord said to do. In Leviticus 19 and 19, he said this. You shall keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let the cattle gender with diverse kind. Thou shalt not sow thy field, um, sow thy field with mingled seed. Um, neither shall the garment mingle of linen and woolen come upon thee. You know, like, really? You going to be that strict? Yes, he was. Don't mix the cattle, don't mix the seed, and don't mix the fabric. You know, I, we don't follow that today, but you have to put in context of what God was telling Israel. I mean, he was concerned even about the seed. Do not mix the seed and the cattle, even the fabric, the clothes that they wore. Do not mix the fabric. And he was telling them that and. Another thing, one reason why this is just me, and you, as I've said so many times before, you don't have to buy into this. But when you read of Israel going into the promised land, it was a pagan land. God said, you can go in, you read of everything where there. That's why God said, when you go through these cities, it's just you put the blinders on your eyes, so to speak. You don't look at their, and I hate, just excuse me. You don't look at their women. You don't look at their gods. You keep focused on what you're doing. You keep your mind on me. So that's what God was telling them. So, and then you are in a strange pagan land. And the Bible says that literally when the Israelites went in and got established in Canaan, 
when the Israelites started planting trees, fruit trees, they was not allowed to eat the fruit for five years. Now, why five years? For three years, they couldn't touch it at all. Nothing. Throw it away. If it produced anything, throw it away. The fourth year, it was a, a praise offering holy unto the Lord. The fifth year, they could eat it. And when you read, it says that that tree could be holy unto the Lord. Now, this is what I feel. They went into a pagan land. God said, I give you houses, wells, everything. You're ready to move in. But I ain't dependent on the pagans to feed my children. I've given you, and you're going to do this. You're going to plant these trees. In the fifth year, you got enough to sustain you unto then. And then, when we put it wholly unto the Lord, then you can start partaking of it. And that's just the way I feel. It wouldn't, God wasn't going to use it. He wasn't going to use everything in a strange, in a strange pagan land. You read it. It's in the Bible. You could not partake of it until the fifth year. But after the fifth year, it, a tree had to be dedicated to the Lord. God was that strict about it. That strict about it. I mean, it goes on further about it, and I don't want to just read it. But God said, don't do it. Do it right. And going through all of that, the statute was for one thing, to make it holy unto the Lord. In a land that God said, I've given you. I've given you this land that flows with milk and honey. Now, in Joshua, in Joshua, let's go to the, the first of Joshua. The Bible says in Joshua 1, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord uh, this, um, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land, which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, that I have given you, um, that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Now, Moses has died at this point. He's, God is just reaffirming with Joshua what he had said. And this is from God himself. He's telling Joshua this. Now, in the 13th verse, same book, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. They hadn't even went in and even started to fight yet. And God is telling them, God has given you rest. And they hadn't even begun to even take the land. But you have to think. You have to put it in context. Who am I going to believe? Am I going to believe what I see? Or am I going to believe God? You know, what if you was literally standing there and Joshua comes back and said, God is going to give us rest. By the way, bring your sword today. What do you do? You follow the man of God and you give your sword and you go with him. It's, it's, you, I've always believed you have to apply these principles today. 
A lot of the times, the true anointed man of God is going to say things that's just, we're going to, my goodness, really? You know, we might not want to admit that or we might think we're too spiritual to admit that, but Brother Boyd's going to say things sometimes we're just going to think, my goodness. I'm sure when Joshua told them, the Lord has given us rest. Get your swords and get with me. I think, my Lord. How do I put that together? You know, the people must have been thinking, how do I reason that? But I'm telling you, Moses was true. And now his servant, Joshua, is going to be true. So no matter what I'm looking at, I'm going with him. I'm going with him. So then, now, I want to do this. All of this, I'm going all the way back to the call where it really, really, truly all started. And that's with Abraham. God tells him in Genesis 12, now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. Now I want you to listen. I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, you can look that up if you want to, bless and curse, but that's exactly what it means. Bless and curse. That's literally what it means. That was the call when God called him. Now, this verse that I want to go to now in Galatians can be a little bit difficult, but Galatians 3, 16 Galatians 3, 16 and 17. Now to Abraham, this is Paul in his writings. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to his seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. In this I say that the covenant that was confirmed of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. Now, 16. Now to Abraham and his seed, to Abraham and to his seed was the promise made. Now, that's where the covenant was. He, listen to what it says. He saith not to his seeds, seeds, as of many, but as of one. This all come together stuff. <laughs> it, it, it does literally. Call me arrogant if you want to. It does not have Bible. Believe what you want to believe and we'll just all get there. I'm not trying to sound arrogant. All I'm trying to do with everything that's in me is follow the Bible. He saith, and to his seeds, he saith not into his seeds as of many, but as of one, as of one seed. Whose seed? Abraham's seed. And to thy seed, which is Christ, he's speaking to the Messiah. And they wonder why we want to take his name. Because 
the thing that they fight us on the most is what's going to save us. I'm telling you, with everything that's in me, the name of Jesus and knowing and the knowledge of who he is is what's going to save us. And it ain't going to be nothing else. I'm telling you, that, that truly is. And this is Paul when he said, And this I say, that the covenant was confirmed before God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. He's just saying, look, here it come down to Abraham, there was a covenant, and he's just putting it in our language. If you have a covenant between two people, you got one party. Here we got Abraham and his seed, and we got God. Now, when the law was given, technically Abraham and his seed wasn't there. But the law was given, and God was there, and Paul was saying, do you think that's going to change anything? Absolutely not. Paul was saying, this is a walk of faith. Thereby, there's only one seed, and we have Christ that's going to do that for us. So therefore, we have it. And 17 was just saying, God or Jesus is the one that made this possible. And it goes all the way back to Abraham. He said, it's not many seeds. It's one seed. One seed. Abraham's seed. And then it goes all the way through. Follow it all the way through to Christ. We know who that was, the Messiah. This happened. Now, I'll go to my last verse in... Second Peter, the first chapter, it says, Simon Peter, servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them which have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied, be multiplied unto you through knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us unto glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He said that this, we have this like precious faith, and it's been given to us, literally. Now, like precious, where it says that in the first verse, we have obtained this like precious, like precious faith. That's only in the Bible one time, in the Greek. And that's here, like precious. So, here again, all this many, 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 the apostle says they have obtained the same faith that we have. The like precious is only used one time, one time, in grace and peace. And before I go any farther, I've worked a whole lot of my life in construction and been around a whole lot of nonsense. I've come home, I've told my wife, I said, I've worked around so many people that there's so much chaos in their life that they believe, I think, that they think it's normal. But the Bible here, where it says in the second verse, grace and peace be multiplied unto you, grace and peace, that is never, ever reversed in the Bible. It is always grace. It ain't never peace and grace. 
if you want peace and you don't show grace, flag them on, baby. It ain't happening. It's grace and peace. Look it up. There's no other way in the Bible. Then it says this, be multiplied unto you. What? When you look at the writing that's in the word of God, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God. That's why we're so blessed. We don't come to church and just talk about a God way out there somewhere. We talk about a God that you can have a relationship with. That's why we come and want to have a relationship with God and have an understanding. Because I don't want to come here about a God that, that I can't feel or who, who can't help me. And that's why, you know, through all the years that I've came here, I've said I try to relate everything to the Bible. Every time that I, and, and just pardon me, every time I'm in a mood, I get the book and I get in my bedroom and I find out about myself. That's why the, I remember the, the guy then he says, and I've quoted it so many times, open this Bible because you are in here. I promise you, you are in here. Regardless what you're feeling or what you're like, or you know, and that brings us comfort because, regardless, he said it's in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power in three has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now, here is where I want to bring it to us just as he told Israel, I've given you this land that flows with milk and honey. God said he's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now, this is where I differ with this. I don't quite know how to word it. There's just some says all you, all you need is grace and that's all you need. And believe me, the last thing I would want to do is make it seem too hard for someone to try to live for God. I really don't want to do that. But when someone has the impression that when they was five years old, they asked God to forgive them and they can live the rest of their life any way they want to live and fully think they're okay. You know, I don't know if, and if they ask me what do I think about it, then I'm responsible to give them an answer. The Bible says so. So the Lord said, I've given you this land. You need to possess it. So as far as us being Christians here today right now, to think our life is going to be just, just I'm not saying every day is a battle. But when the battle slaps us between the eyes, go read about Israel. See what their days was like. See how much blood that they lost. Then it makes our life easier. Because if you listen to the people that says you don't have to do nothing, in other words, if you're having trouble, you must have sinned or done something wrong, then you really do feel bad. But... Israel was in the will of God. They was God's people. That is that is a hundred percent true. They was doing what God wanted them to do. Yes, they got out of the will of God at times, but they was God's chosen people.
people. And for me to think I can just come to church and just live every day and never have an issue is not biblical. So that's why I say welcome to the promised land. The Bible says he has given us great exceeding promises. Now, do I want to let my eyes deceive me every day or do I want to believe what the Bible says? I want to choose to what the Bible says. Now, in the fourth verse, it says, Wherefore is giving unto them exceeding great and precious promises. Now, right there in verse 4, where it says, Whereby are given unto us, unto us, exceeding great. Now, that is speaking of right now, exceeding great. Here again, in the Greek, that's only in the Bible one time. And what it's talking about is great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Now, and here's the reason, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. In other words, how many times have you heard a preacher say the toughest person you face is the one you look at in the mirror? Okay, I'll agree with that. But, that doesn't mean we have to just <laughs> every day. Sure, we live in a body of flesh, but the Bible just, and I just read it, he's given us these exceeding great and precious promises to escape this corruption of flesh. Now, sure, we get mad. God got mad. I mean, he wove a whip and drove the jokers out of the temple. Sure, everybody gets angry. The Bible says just try not to sin when you get angry. <laughs> so now, but the thing of it is, all I'm saying, I'm trying to compare what Israel went through to what we go through. And a lot of Christians paint, it's just rosy, you just never have a problem, but that's just not the truth. And I, I, I say that with a little sadness. But God said... Literally through Isaiah, that with his own arm, he brought salvation. And he did it all for his people. So, when God told, looked at Israel, did everything for them, brought them out of the promised land, and gave them everything is that, it's because literally he loved them. Now, a lot, when you... <laughs> Man, I don't know what it was like when you was sitting there, you're going through there, and then you come from one city, and then all of a sudden you just got city after city after city, and, and you know, like, and then you finally ask Moses or Joshua, which one of these do we have to defeat? And he says, all of them. <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> what did I miss? You've got to defeat all of them. But don't worry. God's already given them in your hand. In your hand. What else fits in your hand? The sword. The sword fits in your hand. So I've given you the ability to do it. Now, if I just cave in and say I can't do it, I don't know how many times it is I should have looked it up. Of God said, I have put them, I've delivered them into your hand. And that's where the sword went. 
I have given you the strength. So welcome to the promised land. It's from what perspective that you look at it from that makes it truly, truly what it is. Some's going to say, I can't do it. There's too many people. And God's going to say, before I gave you the cities, I told you it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. Don't let the last phrase override the first phrase because I have delivered them into your hand. That is what God told them. Let's stand if you would. I'm going to just end with a prayer. Let's pray. Let's, uh, I don't know what this weather's going to do, but let's pray. I, I don't know what will happen for the weekend. Let's just ask God to seal the word in our heart, touch us, keep our pastor safe, touch those that are sick, and just strengthen the families. Let's pray. God of heaven, we love you, holy God. I love and I praise you and I thank you, God. I ask you to touch right now to strengthen your people, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, touch and anoint, Lord God. I thank you, God. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.